Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now on our 18th episode of 2022. But before we kick off, I'd like to thank our sponsors of Fiber for Breakfast. That includes our gold sponsors of CHR Solutions, Millennium, and Plume, and our silver sponsor, Graybar. We are now nine days away from the NTI issuing the $42.45 billion bead notice of funding opportunity, AKA the NOFO. Yesterday, Andy Burke from NTI said that the NOFO will be released on May 13th, a week from this Friday versus May 16th. So it's great to hear that NTI is slightly ahead of schedule. Also, it looks like they don't like working weekends. So that's great for us. So we're gonna get this on uh, probably at midnight on Friday night and spend our weekend scrubbing through. Um, so Fiber Connect 2022 is now less than six weeks away and will be held in Nashville, June 12th to 15th. And man, is it gone crazy. Um, you know, the, the Gaylord is about sold out. So I just contracted the Inn at the Gaylord as an overflow hotel. So hopefully that's not too long a walk across the parking lot. So if you haven't registered or booked your hotel, please do so ASAP because our event will be sold out. And uh, we apologize, you know, there's over 60 companies waiting on the our waiting list exhibit. Um, we just have already, you know, capped out all our exhibitors. And so we are locked and loaded. It's going to be awesome. You know, yesterday, the FCC announced another $200 million in ARDOF awards uh, approvals. That brings us over to $5.2 billion for broadband deployment to 3 million locations in 47 states out of the $9.3 billion awarded in the ARDOF auction 18 months ago. While it's taken a year longer than anybody ever expected, the good news is that the FCC has not approved the long forms for the Starlink Low Earth Orbit Satellite Service. That is a huge victory for the 640,000 homes that were at risk of being relegated to the wrong side of the digital divide for years to come. I just hope these rural families are not redlined from the $42.5 billion bead funding for literally having Starlink hanging over their heads. So speaking of unlocking funding, today's Five for Breakfast session will be focused on robust mapping and public-private partnerships unlocking rapid broadband funding deployment in Georgia. Last week at Fiber for Breakfast, we spoke with my good friend Jeff Hainan on his latest research on spending on fiber to the home and what technologies are going to be used over the next five years. We learned that 10 gig symmetric fiber to the home is what most providers are and will be deploying. And XGS PON, that 10 gig symmetric um, technology, is the winning technology. We also heard that DOCSIS 4.0 will continue to be a science project as cable companies are beginning to move more aggressively to fiber to the home. This morning, we have the pleasure to speak with Josh Hildebrandt, the Director of Broadband Initiatives at Georgia Technology Authority. Josh will be discussing how robust mapping and public-private partnerships unlocking rapid broadband funding deployment in Georgia. 
Josh Hildebrandt serves as the Director of Broadband Initiatives at the Georgia Technology Authority, focusing solely on Georgia's broadband deployment strategy and connectivity funding mechanisms and supporting local communities and providers in their expansion efforts. Before George, starting at GTA, Josh worked at Georgia Department of Natural Resources, where he oversaw the agency's legislative and policy efforts, communications, and external affairs. Prior to joining DNR, Josh served in Governor Brian Kemp's administration as the policy advisor for rural initiatives, including ag, natural resources, and technology. Josh is a graduate of Belmont in Nashville. I always think of Belmont as like Brad Paisley and Leon Warmack and like, can you sing, Josh? Uh, I can't too, at least not too well. I think we all can, uh, but it's, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, they are some of the shining stars that have come out of Belmont. Well, good. All right. Well, welcome, Josh, and for audience, please type in your questions in our Q&A section as we go. And with that, over to Josh. Well, thank you so much, Gary, uh, and thank you so much to uh, FBA. Uh, it is my pleasure to be joining y'all today from the Peach State. Uh, it is a, a warm one down here, so it's not the worst thing being inside right now. We've the last couple of days have definitely been up there, as I think Gary uh, can appreciate that just being a, a, a state over from us. But it is, uh, you know, while things are hot here, weather-wise, it, it, things are also hot in Georgia on the broadband front and on the deployment front. So. Uh, my pleasure to be with y'all today and, and talking about what we've got going on, uh, a couple of the different angles that uh, you know that we see in Georgia, and, and talking about some of our policy and strategies around deploying these these funds. So glad to be with y'all today. So something to keep in mind about what we've got in Georgia is that you know we're still relatively we do have a state broadband office, uh, still relatively new. It was established in 2018. Uh, with the founding legislation that came out of our General Assembly. Um, and it's a, actually a joint office between the Department of Community Affairs, which focuses a lot on uh, community engagement, talking with uh, communities, and and then also they run a lot of the state's grant program. That's important to remember, you know, the state's grant program, not necessarily the federal. And so, uh, and then uh, on the Georgia Technology Front, this is the uh, the state's uh, IT solutions and IT strategy arm of the executive branch underneath Governor Brian Kemp. Um, and we focus currently a lot more on, uh, on, on evaluation of, of projects, engineering, general policy, keeping track of uh, the different federal initiatives and federal programs, and overall much more focused on, on strategy, um, data, and, um, uh, and, and policy. So, you know, through our... Um, coordination efforts with uh, DCA and a couple other state agencies here in Georgia. We are, I mean, we are a fairly small office with myself, um, one other full-time employee, which is our deputy CIO for broadband and special projects, Jessica Simmons. And then there's also a team member over at DCA currently uh, focusing on one of the programs we'll talk about here shortly. Um, but while we're small, does not mean that we're necessarily uh, inactive or that we have a problem moving quickly. Uh, Georgia's fortunate to have um, fortunate not to have our state agencies uh, too you know siloed too much. Uh, we do work very very well together. Uh, whether that's our Department of Transportation, our PSC, um, our uh, Governor's Office of Planning and Budget that focuses a lot on grant efforts uh, and, and financing and things like that. 
So we have a lot of folks that are uh, invested and are really part of the broadband team here in Georgia, uh, even if they're not officially part of the broadband office. And, you know, as you can see down there, a couple of the different efforts on this slide um, that we've done, we helped with student connectivity um, and highlighting uh, districts that had big connectivity gaps during the pandemic when remote learning increased. We work with our Department of Public Health on, on telehealth um, opportunities. But, you know, of what is the most exciting, I think, to uh, this group of folks and to, um, you know, seeing what we've got going on in Georgia is uh, our annual reporting that we do uh, each year that comes out at the end of the year, um, uh, showing, you know, how we've improved uh, and some of the different major initiatives uh, that the state has undergone. Uh, and then most excitedly, uh, our uh, broadband availability map, which is one of the few location level maps. And I think one of the very few location level maps that actually has a, where you can actually see from the public side of things, um, you know, where, uh, uh, you know, service lacks in certain communities. And that has really helped Georgia be able to move forward uh, very quickly, as you will see here, um, in deploying some of these different um, federal funds uh, and then prime to deploy a couple of state funds as well, as I'll talk about a little bit later. So as I mentioned about our broadband map, which we're very proud of here in Georgia, uh, you know, just a little bit of something that we like to share, uh, you know, as we're all waiting on the FCC to uh, unveil their new mapping efforts uh, towards the end of the year, or early part of next year, uh, back when they were first uh, establishing and standing up, you know, what they wanted it to look like, uh, they contacted actually our mapping vendor and our mapping folks and team here in Georgia to ask how we um, accomplish what we um, uh, have done here with this map. So certainly, uh, uh, you know, when you've got the, the federal government reaching out to you to ask you how you've done what you've done at the state level, uh, you know, that tells you a little bit about how, uh, you know, great of a product uh, you have and, and how helpful it can be. But what you can see here, um, is uh, uh, the dark, uh, kind of the dark uh, gold color uh, are served locations or served census blocks in Georgia, the lighter uh, yellow or unserved, and then where you've got the gray, uh, no locations. And you might be asking, you know, how do you have so many areas that have no locations? Well, that's the swamp, that's salt marsh out on the coast, uh, and then military bases uh, where they focus on their own efforts um, and, and the state is not involved. Uh, and so, uh, you know, with this, as you can see there, the definition in Georgia is uh, for a location to be deemed served, it has to have at least 25.3 um, uh, uh, terrestrial service. So we do not count, speaking to Gary's uh, comment about Starlink and, and SpaceX, uh, we do not count that as uh, eligible service here in Georgia. We ask that everything is terrestrial, so we do not count satellite, um, or else probably the entire state would be served, and that would not be accurate. Uh, and so, you know, what's really makes uh, our map different and exciting is what you see on the right hand side of this screen, which we call our red dot map that those are actually unserved plottable lat long address locations, physical addresses um, uh, in our state that you can actually scroll down to uh, and get pretty, pretty close to um, all the way down to ground level. We, we, we do blot it out right at the end just for privacy purposes. But for the most part, I mean, you can see, you know, if you are, you know, overlaying a map on this, you can, you know, you know where those roads are, um, you know where these locations are, and you can very easily see, uh, you know, which locations we 
deem as being unserved. And that is fantastic for planning purposes. That's really helped our providers in Georgia and our communities um, to be as uh, detailed as they can in, in their efforts. And, and that really helped us deploy ARPA funds very quickly, as I'll mention here in a minute, uh, because we were able to really say, hey, you know, these are the locations and people could get really, really uh, accurate with the way that they drew their um, their projects and their shape files to really go after those unserved when, uh, you know, I think in, in a lot of other cases um, beforehand, both in Georgia and other states, uh, it wasn't nearly so accurate. Um, and, you know, you you don't know if you were you were going after served or unserved locations, you were kind of guessing um, to that degree. And then one last thing that makes our mapping different, especially from the federal level, or for a census block to be deemed served, uh, it, instead of you know one location or just a handful of locations having service and then being able to be deemed served, 80% uh, of those locations in, um, in that census block have to have service in order to be deemed a served census block. Um, and you can see here where this mapping is, is so helpful because uh, you will see red dots in those served locations. That's what makes this so special is that even in a served census block at 80%, we know there's still unserved locations in there and we actually plot those. Um, so they don't get left behind. As, as Gary was mentioning about redlining, of just being like, if you're in a served census block and you don't have service, good luck. You know, it's it's gonna be hard for you to get service or it, or it has been historically. And we found a way to get around that in Georgia. Another big focus that we have in Georgia is a focus on our communities. Uh, something that we heard as to a, a barrier uh, historically with uh, deploying uh, broadband, especially in rural parts of the state, were uh, a breakdown in communication between our providers and our communities um, in areas that providers, you know, were not used to working with, in areas that uh, municipalities or counties or and their elected officials weren't used to engaging with uh, 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 telecom groups and especially broadband providers. And so it was just, a, you know, it was a situation where oftentimes permitting would be uh, very cumbersome. It would take a long time. Um, the, uh, you know, permitting fees might be uh, vastly increased because a community would have to bring in someone who could evaluate those because their current planners were not used to evaluating broadband projects. Um, and certainly a lot of them um, you know, as I think we can all see around the country uh, of just kind of still how areas and communities were still somewhat divided on the public's role on broadband expansion and deployment before the pandemic. Uh, not a lot of communities had broadband in their long-term plans like they did uh, road projects or water and sewer projects. And so we created a broadband ready designation that providers can go um, online and see these counties and cities that have said, hey, we've gone through, we've jumped through these hoops, we've done these certain things that show that we're ready to engage with you. We're ready to do work with our providers and to bring service to our uh, constituents in our areas by adding um, broadband to their comprehensive plans and adopting model ordinances that, uh, that the provider community actually helped the state come up with uh, as to something that would be very friendly to them in certain areas that might be uh, having a more expedited permitting process, having a, uh, a direct that a, a city or a county has to have a specific public um, a contact for providers to reach out to about permitting, because um, that's also something that had been a problem in getting in touch with the right person. And so this has really helped us. And you can see all of these 
um, uh, communities that have become broadband ready. Uh, that's basically only in a year this program was stood up towards the end of 2020. So all of these as of the end of last year um, have already uh, jumped on board and we've got more coming on board and online uh, more often, uh, even these days. So in recent broadband developments uh, in Georgia, we're very excited. I, I talked about a very expeditious uh, process here in Georgia and that we're moving at, uh, as, uh, as some people might appreciate today being May the 4th, uh, we are moving at light speed um, uh, here in Georgia. Uh, we might not be the Millennium Falcon, but we might be something that's a, a little bit slower than that. But we're trying to to follow in the draft of of them through this uh, for our Star Wars fans out there. And uh, you know, something Georgia was a big winner of Ardoff um, uh, back about 18 months ago. You can see that on the right hand side with that map. Those are all different colors that show the different providers. But where there was a color, you know, that is a census block that was awarded in Georgia. Um, and so about 326 million uh, was awarded uh, to, to be authorized to 15 providers serving about 179,000 locations in Georgia. Um, you know, with 9% of Georgia being um, unserved with about 482,000 locations, that's important to know. We're talking about locations, not individuals. So we do show uh, a, a large amount of, of locations in Georgia that are unserved uh, versus FCC mapping. Um, but that is uh, that that's certainly getting us a long way um, with RDOF. And then Governor Kemp made the decision to utilize state fiscal recovery recovery funds under ARPA for broadband deployment. And we were one of the earliest states to deploy those funds uh, again due to the state of where we were in Georgia. Um, so 408 million announced on February 1st, addressing 70 counties, um, and you can see the locations there. Um, about a hundred, a little over 130,000 locations being unserved. Uh, and just really quick, so that when you are looking at this map further down the road, um, what we have plotted here are is the the dark yellow or the uh, are the served census blocks. The green is the overlay of the ARDOF locations, and then the red were the ARPA locations. So you can see there just how, how far we've gotten just with these two funds. We're well positioned for the future. And speaking of the future. As I mentioned, um, you know, we, this is a joint effort here in Georgia. We've got a lot of different offices involved, but I want you all to know that, uh, uh, you know, that might be code language for bureaucracy. That is not the case uh, here in Georgia. If you are wanting to talk about what the state's doing on broadband uh, expansion and different policies and strategies, you're talking, you're talking to the right person. You're seeing the right person right now. I'm one of two um, with Jessica Simmons. Um, and so by getting in touch with us, we'll be able to walk you through what's going on in Georgia uh, and to hold your hand and to help you uh, do business here or at least to get a lay of the land um, in Georgia um, and, and talking about what we anticipate with some future funding coming on. So the state currently has about 25 million uh, to deploy uh, through a state program. Uh, we're working on how we are going to do that. Uh, again, with all these federal funds coming down and some of those tight timelines, uh, you know, we have kind of uh, adjusted our focus to the federal um, programs, uh, but we also we do still have some state dollars that uh, that we could deploy this year. Uh, we do anticipate the that Georgia will get just under 260 million in capital projects fund. Uh, Governor Kemp uh, and his administration have mentioned that that they you know uh, it hasn't been finalized, but they want to spend as many of those funds on connectivity. Um, whether that's a little bit on devices, a little bit on middle mile, 
Uh, we have to get our plan approved by the FC uh, by Treasury, as everyone else does right now. But a large amount of that 260 will be a grant will most likely be a grant program for last mile, similar to the ARPA process that we just did um, this last summer or this uh, this last fall. And then lastly, uh, Georgia is well positioned because of our location level map to challenge um, and to make sure that the FC's map, FCC's map is as accurate as possible. So because of that, uh, you know, we should not be sitting on uh, our hands for too long once that map is deployed. So hopefully here in Georgia, we view that we will be able to uh, put together our plan and finalize whatever is our final allocation from NTIA as soon as possible. And we will be moving quickly, uh, whether that's you know Q1 or Q2 next year, we will not be waiting, we'll be moving quickly on that. So potentially within the next year, um, you know, the state will be standing up uh, a state program, uh, a capital projects program, and uh, hopefully a bead program uh, as well by sometime next summer. So that is a lot of funding with a lot of programs and you can see that Georgia's not waiting. And I hope people take that to heart that we are moving quickly here in Georgia. And I believe that's it. That's my information. So if I could be of any help, uh, please do not be a stranger. Uh, and I'll kick it back here to Gary now. Well, great stuff, Josh. Um, I think we talked a little bit about this. But when you, so you have um, so over 9% of locations are unserved, 25.3. So 482,000 um, locations. And so when I look at the FCC 477, that comes in at 654,000, which, and then when you look at broadband now, that's 1.85 million. And so help everybody understand what that number really means. And yeah, so with this, again, we were talking about locations, I think with some of these other um, uh, 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 research projects, they're talking about individuals, uh, it, you know, here, uh, in Georgia, again, we, you know, because it is location level, we focus on a location. So we, I mean, to a degree, we view uh, a household that has six people in it to a household that has one person in it as equal. And, you know, one can, you know, take what the, uh, uh, what the most recent census data shows as, you know, what's a typical household in Georgia, it's about 2.7 individuals in there. And you multiply that by these locations and you can see we quickly get north of the FCC number. Uh, I, I am interested in seeing what uh, broadband now, um, and I've actually reached out to them uh, in their research, uh, you know, what they've done, because their number is a little bit higher, uh, but, you know, makes me think of, uh, you know, if that brings in some multi-dwelling units or some public housing a little bit more where here in Georgia, and I have a feeling that is a lot of what they've brought in, um, you know, in, uh, we have a, this really is a rural problem in Georgia, nine out of every 10 unserved locations are rural. Um, and so with a lot of your public housing in urban areas, they appear as served, uh, but they are certainly not served when it comes to the people component of either adoption or, or uh, utilization or how to uh, properly um, you know, have reliable service. So I do think there's a bigger problem here, but when looking at simply served and unserved at the location, um, that's how we, we look at our numbers. Yeah, and so just for the audience, so this, that, so if I do, you know, multiply that number by 2.7, so it's roughly, you know, somewhere um, a million and a half people. So it's closer to the broadband now and probably twice as much as what the FCC 477 reports. Exactly. So that's kind of consistent that, you know, most everybody is more leaning to the broadband now number than what the FCC has done. 
Um, well, you, you know, great stuff. One of the other questions, um, you know, you had put, so your office, which is great because, you know, when listening to like Joey Wendell at um, Treasury or Alan Davidson at NTIA or, you know, the, the guys at the FCC, it's, and even RUS, it's very complex on what money you can deploy for what. And so like, for instance, Treasury is much more flexible on overbuilding, what I call overbuilding, which is an impossible hamstring term, right? Because if you're trying to reach unserved people and to do that, you have to pass served people, you can't really, you know, if an incumbent provider says, hey, I'm not gonna go serve your community, and the community provider goes and tries to serve the community, but they're um, saying, oh, you can't serve, use this money to serve anybody that's profitable, that really, so it looks like that you guys could help, um, you know, provide our service providers use the strategy on what you should use RUS, what you should use capital projects, what you should use for RDOF, what, you know, so trying to find the right money for the right locations. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely right, Gary. Um, you know, with, with our state fiscal recovery funds that we did, the 408 million, we actually did not have an overbuilt threshold. I think that will, you know, scare a lot of people, but we let it be organic because uh, Treasury didn't have an overbuilt threshold that they had in their interim final rule or final rule. Um, and it, in the end, we had just a little, just a little over 25% um, overbuilt with, from talking with providers. In most of those cases, we're not talking about overbuilding, you know, gig, um, uh, networks or overbuilding fiber networks. Uh, in most of those cases, it was overbuilding copper that was deemed as having, you know, 25.3, which, you know, might be a little bit, uh, might be a little bit generous uh, to view that as hitting 25.3, but turning uh, legacy technologies like fiber, I mean, like uh, copper into fiber. So, you know, we really do view that all of those locations we're at least, um, you know, uh, getting uh, getting locations either 25.3 or 120 if they happen to have a little bit more of that. But, uh, you know, this really does help with that, as you mentioned, Gary, uh, of saying, hey, we can, you know, we can look at your plans um, when someone submits a grant or an engineering plan and say, hey, we understand that your application shows 12% overbuild, but it's because you're having to run past all of these to get to these communities that are unserved. And if you knocked out all of those currently served locations, then you might be asking for twice as much money. Um, and so, you know, we, we wanna be reasonable um, as much as NTIA is gonna allow us. We have a feeling that uh, upon the release of the NOFO, we will, we will see that they're gonna be much more strict on the overbuild component. Um, and again, that's where our mapping is gonna be really, really helpful because it allows people to really carve around um, and get to those unserved locations only. Fantastic. Uh, so, you know, one of the questions says that, um, you know, Georgia has done some amazing work on mapping leading the nation. So thanks for sharing the best practices. So the question is, many states have moved to define broadband and more modern bandwidth needs, um, you know, of greater than 25.3. Do you foresee Georgia modernizing their definition of broadband? And just a caveat on that is, you know, I was with Chad Roop last week in Montana. And their state had um, defined, you know, did a um, a grant for 255, right? For some crazy reason. And what it did is it then knocked out all those 25 fives from being quote underserved or unserved for all this funding. So it is risky. But what what do you what's your plan there? Yeah. So 
um, you know, the Georgia definition is in statute. This would need to be something that would have to go through our assembly um, and ultimately be signed by the governor. Um, so it's not as easy as just a, a quick rules change um, under GTA or under DCA um, or the broadband initiative here in Georgia. So it is a little bit more complicated. Uh, you know, the definition that we arrived at minus, uh, you know, minus the satellite and having that terrestrial in there was to try to stay in line with the FCC because we didn't want to make it confusing for providers to have to, you know, say that, well, per FCC, you know, this is served and, and for Georgia, it is not. Uh, you know, so we are going to watch the FCC on this. If the FCC changes their definition, as Chairman Chairwoman Rosenworcel has mentioned a couple times that she's interested in, I think we would certainly follow suit uh, pretty quickly behind that. You know, what we would be concerned about if we would do it, uh, if we would go ahead and jump to a 120 or something like that already, um, it, and we're also keeping this in mind for how we deploy bead funds and some of these other ones is, uh, if we suddenly... Uh, change that definition. What we don't want to happen is to have 25.3 locations that don't even have 25.3 get truly left behind forever. Because if we open up funds and we say, hey, unserved in Georgia's anything less than 120, um, there's a lot of locations that are suddenly going to be eligible and people and, and providers, and we understand this, this is just, this is, you know, we want to be reasonable here. We want people to be able to do business in Georgia uh, and make a, you know, make a living. That I mean, they're going to look to upgrading locations that are currently at 25.3 or currently at 50 and 5 that are in more concentrated areas than going after locations that are, you know, at 10 per mile um, down in really rural Georgia and don't even have 25.3. So we want to be careful of that to make sure that we don't leave people behind forever. Um, but, you know, should the FCC change their definition um, or should the legislature here in Georgia say, you know what? 25.3 is really not reasonable. That's, I mean, that's not served. Um, you know, then then I think we would go along with that. Well, Josh, we got a real easy fix for you. If it's not fiber, it's not broadband. So then you don't ever have to worry about this again. So just do it I right. Like it. I like um, it. Hey, listen, um, just one last quick one. Uh, is the your maps um, downloadable for um, companies to use in their GIS planning systems? Yes. So uh, what we would what we would say is uh, you have to enter into a sub license agreement with us and our vendor to just basically say, hey, um, we're not going to take this data and sell it ourselves and make money off of it. Um, it's courteous that our that our mapping vendor um, has allowed us to provide that free of cost if someone should sign a, a form with us and a license with us um, for a private provider. Uh, and uh, to to get that, we would we would say ideally wait for the state to open up, say our capital projects grant program later this year, um, and then if you're looking to uh, apply for that, then you can say, hey, we're wanting to apply, and thus we need this data. If you would like it sooner, um, what we would say is, uh, and this is definitely uh, you know best practice, I think, and, and something I would advise here in Georgia is. Pick up conversations with communities that are showed as unserved on our on our broadband map as soon as possible. Get talking with them and say, "Hey, we've got this great product. We can uh, roll this out this quickly. We can really help your citizens." And should you get the support of a community, a city, or a county, um, they can they can request um, this data from us at any given time because it is public. We want them to have this. We want them to have communities to have this for their planning and then to engage with providers uh, in anticipation of grant programs. So two different ways well, thanks, there. Thanks, Josh. Um, you know, it, there's so many great questions here, so hopefully you can follow up offline with um, on those questions. 
And you know, we really appreciate all the work that you and your colleagues are doing at GTA. So thank you for your hard work. And also thanks everyone for joining us today. I look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. We're going to be discussing U.S. business technology analysis, uh, telecom transformation in the new normal with my old friend, Matt Davis, the founder and principal analyst at Independent Research. He's going to share his most recent survey findings that analyze which telecom and IT technology saw the biggest changes as we entered the new normal. So you're not going to want to miss that. We'll see you guys next Wednesday. Thanks, everyone.